welcome to Eat, Sleep, Move, a podcast devoted to helping you lose weight, get healthy, and have an amazing life. Here's your host, Wendy Wallace. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 11 of the Eat, Sleep, Move podcast. So all too often, we find ourselves so busy, whether you're a parent or you're going to school or you're just trying to keep up with the demands of your job. So many of us at one time or another have neglected our health and felt our weight creep up while we focused on other things in our lives. We always want to take better care of ourselves, but it can be really hard to find the time or the energy. If this resonates with you, I think you'll find this episode's interview relatable and inspiring. Five years ago, after giving birth to her first son, Heather Robertson weighed 313 pounds. Her weight fluctuated as she went through two more pregnancies, and then in 2010, after giving birth to her third child, Heather joined Weight Watchers, began attending their local meetings, and started working out at a neighborhood gym. Within two years, Heather lost 170 pounds and changed her life. Not only does she feel better physically, her confidence is higher than it's ever been, and she's also made the commitment to help other women lose weight. Enjoy the interview. When I watch your videos and I see you as being this woman who is lean and muscular, and I listen to your podcast and I hear this sort of laser focus that you have when it comes to your weight and taking care of your body. And this is going to seem really strange, but to me, it's hard to fathom that you were a little over 300 pounds and, and were, and had at one time been carrying so much extra weight because I know again, and I thought about this today, it just doesn't seem like you're the kind of person who would have had to go through that experience So I'm wondering if you can tell me about what life was like for you. I mean, go back to even to maybe your childhood and how the weight came on and not just explaining like how you ended up being just over 300 pounds, but also um, what life was like for you when you were putting on the weight and having to deal with that extra weight. Okay. Um, Yeah, I, um, I, I have photos of myself when I was probably about, you know, five years old, and I was actually real thin. Um, My grandmom jokes and said she had, like, buy suspenders for me to hold up my pants because I was just really scrawny, which now looking at my boys, I probably was built like they are, just very, you know, very Um, Mm stick-like. But shortly after that, I would say probably, like, Maybe first or second grade, I really started packing on the weight. Um, I had, you know, um, I was, I've mentioned openly that I had a really dysfunctional family and the way that I tended to comfort myself was with food and it was kind of like the only reward we ever really got. It was like, you know, oh, this was good, so we got food. You know, there was never really anything else. And so I would find myself, you know, on my way home from elementary school, stopping at convenience stores and buying candy and, you know, just always wanting to eat something, like wanting that. And 
um, the weight just, I remember specifically, we were actually getting ready to relocate to Florida, and I had to go see a doctor. I want to say I was like in fifth or sixth grade, and they had to weigh me, and I weighed 160 then, um, which I'm almost 20 pounds lighter than that now as a grown adult. And, you know, like, I, and the doctor was, you know, very specific and said, she's got to lose some weight. Like, you know, she's heavy. And, I remember just being a kid and just being constantly embarrassed because I could not get, at that time, plus-size kids' clothes were not really in, and um, it was like a lot of sweatpants. I was always wearing sweatpants, so luckily I lived in a cold climate, so I could get away with it most of the year, but it was always just very hard because I never felt like I could fit in with my peers, like wear the cute clothes and, you know, my body. I could never carry off those styles, and so I constantly battled it um, starting in elementary school just with never fitting into clothes. Um, I remember one time my grandma making a comment to me um, that, not the grandma I mentioned earlier, but a different one saying, you know, when you get bigger than a size, I guess 14 was as big as the kids' clothes went up to at that time, I'm not going to buy you any more clothes because you'll be too big. And just that kind of just really hit me when I was a kid, like this idea that I was too big to even wear kids' clothes. Like I was, you know, getting to that size where they didn't make anything for me anymore. Um, And then it parlayed, and I did lose a little bit. I remember, um, I don't know if it was kind of like puberty or, you know, the hormone changes, but I want to say after I moved down to Florida, I was about seventh grade, I did drop a little bit of weight, not a lot, but a little bit, and I think I also shot up a little bit my height, Um, but I was still overweight, um, and then I just continued to pack on the pounds. I want to say by my sophomore year of high school, I was 225, which was the heaviest I had ever been up to that point. But when you're in high school and, you know, you're over 200 pounds, um, again, at that time, they really didn't have any, like, you know, like, I look at all the cool hip clothes they have now for plus-size teenagers, and those just were not in existence when I, when I was a plus-size teenager. It was like, you know, um, I usually had to wear, like, women's career separates because, you know, it was like I was pushing a size 20, 22, and I was in, you know, uh, you know, in high school, and so a lot of the stuff I wore was things that, you know, people much older than I would have been wearing, because um, that's all I could find to fit me. Um, I was always really reluctant to get involved in any type of extracurricular activities, sports, you know, that kind of thing, because um, I did join the uh, Fly Corps for a year, and I just was mortified because, like, they had those really cute sequency kind of outfits. And, of course, I needed, like, the biggest size they made, which I think was, like, a 2X or something like that. But I always carried all my weight in my size, and I just was just so embarrassed because the skirt was so thin, you know, short. And I just always felt like I was just too big to do all the things all my peers were able to do. And it was really super frustrating for me. So my sophomore year of high school, I decided... I didn't care what I had to do. I mean, literally did not care what I had to do. I was going to get the weight off. And just sheer determination I um, and ridiculous way of doing it just dropped, you know, like 80 pounds in six months. And I got the weight off. And I was down to probably close to what I weigh now, about 145. Um, I was not built like I am now. Um, I was never in the kind of shape I am in now. Like, if I look at pictures of me now, I'm actually sometimes shocked because – 
the the body I have now, I've never had in my entire life. I've been thinner, and I've been able to wear smaller clothes, but I've never been in as good a shape as I am in now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just due to the workout regimen that I'm going through and that kind of thing. But um, it's nice to know it was there. It's just a shame I took so long for me to tap into it. <laughs> right. Um, right. But, yeah, so, I mean, literally just starving myself, I got down to my goal weight, and it was just literally because, and I always this is so sympathetic to teenage girls because it is so hard when you look around all these really you know, skinny girls who wear these cute outfits and they are involved in everything, and you always feel like, you know, especially once you're getting up into those, you know, I'm over 200 pounds and a lot of these clothes aren't fitting me, you always just feel like, you know, you go out shopping with them, you can't go buy the clothes that they buy, you know, and I've been mm-hmm. there and I know how hard that is. So, you know, having gone through all that, that was why I decided to lose the weight when I was in high school. Of course, then I gained it all back, plus a heck of a lot more. But that was pretty much the course of events that I went through that got me to the place where I was at 300 pounds. Okay. You know, I'm kind of curious before uh, we move on to the next questions. When you talk about your past and and how dramatically different your past is to your present, is there still a part of you that still kind of contends with those those thoughts, um, the maybe embarrassment or shame or even just the perception of yourself as as still being that overweight teenager? Yeah, I do. I send, I call it like, especially when, if you've ever, if you've ever been, if you've been heavy the majority of your life, you know, like about 50% or more of your life, and you lose the weight, I think it's almost like there's a gray area where, who am I? You know what I'm saying? Am I that... 225-pound teenager? Am I that 300-pound mom? Am I the 147-lean mom? You know, who am I? Because mm-hmm. if you have a different identity. I mean, people look at you and they decide within seconds who you are based on right. your based on who you, what you look like. And mm-hmm. so depending on when I met you in the course of my life, you have an idea of who I am. People that meet me now, when I, t- I went to a, a mom's uh, play group, and, uh, and I was in there talking, a bunch of these moms knew me for a long time. They'd known how much weight I'd lost. They know what I've been through. And this was a really new mom, and she had never, you know, really gotten to know me. And I made the comment about, yeah, when I was 280 pounds, I did such and such. And she looked at me as if, like, I just sprouted a third eye on my head, and she goes, you could never have weighed that much. And it's funny because, to me, in my way of thinking, I used to be that person. That's who I, I can identify with who that was. But mm-hmm. she could not see me as that person. So in a weird way, it was like, who am I at that moment? Does that make sense? I, I right. sometimes feel like that. I feel like I'm sometimes trying to catch people up. Like, okay, this is what I look like right now. If cut two, three years ago, this would not be the same person standing in front of you, you know? And right. I feel like because of that, a lot of times I have to fill in the gaps and explain to people because when I tell them, I feel like, you know, either A, they may think I'm a liar because, you know, they've never seen me before, or on the flip side of that, people who know me my entire life are like, you know, sometimes they're kind of weirded out by it because, well, they've known me as the 300-pound Heather, and now they know me as the 140, you know, 6-pound Heather, and it's like, you know, they don't, and, and it's 
and I know that my personality has changed too. So I know that's a factor, but the whole thing is very weird. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, to answer your question in that show. Yes. It's very, it's a very weird experience because your identity, your the people perceive you differently based on the way you look and you do carry yourself differently depending on how much you weigh. So in a way it's kind of like you've been these different people throughout your life and you're trying to kind of find a balance between who you used to be, who you are and kind of keeping everything straight in your own head. Right. So, you know, the other thing, too, that I was wondering was, as an adult, you had you know, gained weight, like as you went through your pregnancies, your pregnancies, and, and you gained weight. And it's almost like understandable, right? Like people can forgive um, someone gaining weight, because it, we all understand how, you know, there's just, you know, especially as a mom, and as a new mom, that uh, there's just not a lot of time that your your attention is being pulled and your energy is being pulled in all different directions. You're tired, you're stressed, you've got tons of responsibilities, all of that stuff. And so I'm wondering if you can explain, because you went through all of that, right? Like there was a phase when you went through that where your health and your weight was kind of pushed to the, the bottom of your list of priorities. So can you tell me what life was like like that, like, you know, where again, health wasn't a priority versus when you decided to make changes and then health did become a priority because you're still dealing with your children and you're still dealing with only having 24 hours a day. And yet there's the shift happened. So tell me one versus the other. Well, my health wasn't a priority for me until I had my first son. Like, I had literally a light bulb aha moment. I mean, some people, it's a health scare, you know I mean? Like, they go in and they have feel like they had a heart attack, and so they decide the next day they're going to, you know, shape it up. And, and some people, it's just, you know, and I've interviewed people like that, where they just say, just one day, I decided my life wasn't happy the way I was, and I wanted to make a change, and that, I just went on that path. For me, it was, I didn't want to, you know, emotionally deal with a lot of the things that I had baggage left over from my past. And I think it it was coming into the new life of motherhood and knowing that I was going to be responsible for another human being. And I've never been real good at lying. Like (laughs) my husband always says, I'm like one of the worst people to play poker with because I don't have a very good poker face. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, for me, the idea of being a hypocrite, the idea of telling my kid, you know, think about all the things I would want to teach my child. Like, okay, you don't want to stuff your face full of candy and potato chips. But if I'm a 300-pound person and I'm doing it, how in good conscience can I tell my child that and not feel like a total hypocrite? Like, I just, that, I could not swallow that idea of that. Knowing that I was responsible for another person's well-being and that would this be good for him? Like, if he was a 30-year-old adult having his first child and he was grossly obese, would I be okay with that for him? And the answer was, well, no, I would want the best for him. I would want him to be healthy. I would want him to be in shape. And, you know, nothing else just for himself. And it just totally took all of that kind of happening and me getting a chance to reevaluate my past and learning what I was responsible for, which was me in the grand scheme of things. You, I realized I couldn't control anybody else's happiness, but I needed to take care of myself. And when I made that decision... And I really started learning about boundaries and, you know, my personal responsibility, taking care of me, my responsibility to my children. It just kind of clicked that, wait a minute, 
I have to do this. This isn't really an option anymore. Um, you know, I can't lie to my kids and say, you know, pizza is not something you should have every single week when I'm downing a half a pizza in a sitting and then following it up with a, you know, a half a half a half a gallon of ice cream because that's what my husband and I did. I would feel like I just couldn't do it. And so I had to make some wholesale changes. Um, and that was the pivotal moment for me where I said, you know what, I've not taken care of myself for far too long and I've let this go on and now I've got to make a change. Because you're right, there is only 24 hours in a day and you dictate how you're going to spend it. Um, you know, some people, they like to, you know, do Facebook and Twitter and I like all those things too, but you can chalk out 30 minutes to an hour a day to get your exercise in. You just have to make it a priority. And that was the change that I made. I said, when I get up in the morning, I'm going to, the very first thing I do is I'm going to find where my time to work out is going to be in my day. And then I just kind of structured everything around it from there. And that's how I started moving forward with making myself a priority and my health a priority. So two two questions come up after listening to you say that. One, I'm kind of curious because you had mentioned earlier that you you had like a dysfunctional family. And I'm wondering when you had your first son, that kind of pulled you, what I'm hearing you say is that in a sense, it pulled you into the present as in, wait, wait, wait a minute, like this is something, this is motherhood, this is a new life that's in front of me. And, um, you know, and this, I have to approach my life differently. Um, and I'm wondering if when you were able to begin to, when you decided to take care of yourself and when you were begin, when you were, when you began to live more in the present, if that helped you to let go of some of the pain um, that was caused from your, you know, dis- from the past, right? And from what you experienced with your family. And if letting go of that or, or putting your focus more on the present and then into the future was also something that helped you to begin to get focused and get serious about losing weight. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I am, uh, what really clicked in my head was, and I know this is going to sound goofy when I say it, I'm a biggest loser. I love biggest loser. I think it's a great show. I don't necessarily think all the, the, you know, the preparation for the real world is all that great as far as the show goes, but I like the overall message and I like the trainers. And, you know, Jillian Michaels was on, it was like an older season, and she had made a comment about, you know, if you repeat the same behaviors over and over again, you expect a different result, that's insanity. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of those moments where it just clicked. You know, like, I'm, I also am a firm believer that you can hear something a thousand times, and it just takes you being ready to hear it, and it coming from the right person at the right moment for it to just kind of take off. Hence why I do, one of the reasons I do my podcast show is because, even though you're hearing the same things over and over again, it might just be that one person who comes on that one time who says it in just such a way that you just get it. And those are those aha moments, you know. And I had an aha moment where I said, you know what, I'm going to start reevaluating how I do everything in my life. If it's not working, if I'm not getting the results I want from it, if it's a bad relationship where I'm not getting anything out of it or an abusive relationship where I'm not getting anything out of it, I'm going to cut it from my, my plate because that's not giving me what I need. If I am not happy with my weight, well, then what are the decisions I'm going to make? I'm going to pick something totally different. I'm not going to keep 
doing the same things over and over again expecting a different result. I'm going to do something different. And so I always say that in my head now. It's like my little mantra. I say, okay, do you like what you see in front of you? Is this what you want? And if the answer is no, then I'm not going to continue on that same course. I'm going to do something completely different. Will it always be the perfect answer to the problem? No, but the one thing I'm guaranteed is a different result. Every single time, if you do one thing different, you're going to get a different result. Is it going to always be the best result? Not necessarily, but you're definitely going to get something new. And then it breaks that cycle of insanity where you constantly, you know, if you're constantly going through a drive through every night at 9 o'clock and that's your pattern of behavior and you don't like how you feel afterwards, then change one thing about what you're doing. Maybe go through Subway or, you know, you pick one thing completely different from what it is you're normally doing or you just refuse to drive at 9 o'clock at night. You make one thing completely different and then it starts you down that path of correcting your thinking. But by being present in the present, like you said, it was yes, it was like my son kind of woke me up for like 10 plus years. I was just kind of going through the motions of life. I wasn't really thinking about how I wanted to deal with anything or dealing with the emotional damage that was done. And it took me kind of, it was like a cold slap in the face when I realized I was going to be responsible for somebody else. I'm like, I can't just ignore how I feel anymore. I have to start doing something different to fix it. And that was what got that ball rolling of me being present. And you always hear it too. When women get pregnant, a lot of times they make huge wholesale changes because all of a sudden it's not just you anymore. It's somebody else, really? you know? And if you don't love yourself enough to do it for you, a lot of times it will give you the courage to do things you wouldn't normally have done just for yourself because you're including that, that new person in the mix too. And so for me, that was what it was. It was becoming in the present because I had to be and dealing with stuff I didn't want to deal with that I kind of shuffled to the back and kind of drowned out with extra food. And it forced me to take responsibility for my actions and say, you know what, I can't go back to the past and change it. But what I can do is change today and change tomorrow and move forward with what I've learned. And that's what I decided to do. You know, you brought up something that I want to ask you about as well. Um, when you answered that question that I find kind of fascinating that I was thinking of, you had mentioned that you had scars from the time when you had lost 80 pounds. And I know from my own experiences, I think about like how I was in my 20s and I went through this crazy phase of um, how, I, I don't know exactly how long this went on, but I would um, eat nothing from like Monday to Friday, and I would just drink like Diet Coke or Diet root beer or something in water. And then Fridays, I would order a pizza, and I would eat it. And then, um, then I would take I would I would throw it up or I would take laxatives and and get it out of my system over the weekend and then start all over again. And I think about now. So here we are, you know, years and years later. And I think about when I try to do something like a green smoothie fast or a juice fast or try to even go 100% raw, there's something within me that gets triggered. Um, that's that idea of deprivation. And I freak out. But and I wanted to ask you, so here's the question, because I want to talk to you more about Weight Watchers in a, in a minute. But when I think about Weight Watchers, because I've tried Weight Watchers, and the thing that I appreciated about it is that nothing was off limits. Right. There was obviously a limited amount of food that you could eat, but nothing was off limits. And I'm wondering for you, is that also maybe one of the reasons why you were drawn to Weight Watchers as well? Because um, there was absolutely no deprivation whatsoever attached to that program? 
Oh, that's exactly why I was. I, well, actually, there was two reasons. One, it was the, the not being deaf, you know, not saying that nothing was off limits anymore. Because, again, having done Atkins in South Beach, which I actually don't, you know, if somebody's gluten sensitive or has gluten issues and or some other medical conditions, something like an Atkins or Paleo or South Beach might be the, the answer to their prayers because they have other issues going on that I don't currently battle. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, those gluten, you know, gluten has not proven to be a problem for me as of, you know, recent, and I don't have any dairy issues. So there's no food for me that's really, you know, going to hurt me if I consume it. Um, so that being the case, I didn't want to ha- it, it, It's funny because there was a progression through this entire process. At the beginning, I was very hesitant to eat any of those foods that, like you said, pizza. Pizza, for me, I could definitely tell you was probably at 50 pounds of my weight was pizza by itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> no mm-hmm. doubt there. I love pizza. Um, pizza and ice cream were probably my two biggest weaknesses. Um, but anyway, I was just, you know, I would avoid those foods thinking I was being bad. Like, I always, that idea of being bad or the idea of, you know, this is something I shouldn't be able to have, and so I'm cheating, and so thus I'm not doing it perfect, so thus I'm failing. That was kind of like my mindset, you know, in the sense of I couldn't, you know, I wasn't okay with the idea of not doing something stellar. And for me, that's what, you know, one of the huge things that drew me to Weight Watchers was the idea that, okay, on occasion I can have a piece of pizza. And it's not forbidden, you know. My other reason for picking Weight Watchers was the maintenance. Um, When you have lost a significant amount of weight and then you gain all of that, plus an extra 90 pounds back, and you're looking at your life and you go, God, if I do this again, that means that I will have roughly, you know, by that calculation, if I lost 170, I'm going to have 340 pounds to lose the next go around. And I'm like, I don't want to do this again. I really don't. My grandmother was a lifetime member. She's like 84 years old, and she did it like back in the 60s or 70s. And she's been a lifetime member since then, and she's always been pretty much within two pounds of her goal weight. And I think to myself, okay, if she can do it, and she's in her 80s, and I'm like 50 years younger than her, you know, why can't I do that, you know? So the maintenance portion for me was actually what sold me, because I've proven I can lose weight. Losing weight is a rough, you know, road to hoe. But once you get it off, you have a much longer place that you're going to be in maintenance. And that's what I really try and also convey to people who listen to my show. You know, figure if it takes somebody two years to drop the weight and you're in your 30s and you're going to live to be 70, 80, 90 years old, you know, you're talking about all those years you're going to attempt to maintain your weight. That's a lot longer than the two years you spent losing the weight. And that's the thing. And we tend to, and again, because I gained it all and had to lose it all again, it's one of the things that that's why I'm really passionate about that part of it is the fact of what are you going to do once you get the weight off? Are are you going to be able to follow the same plan you're currently on to maintain that weight? Or is it going to be so god-awful grueling that you're going to sit there and go, I can't do this anymore. I got the weight off, but I can't do it anymore. So now what am I going to do? And I didn't want to be in that boat again because I had already been in it once. And the idea that, you know, once I hit goal, I'm free to continue to go 
you know, I'll always have that support. I, you know, I'm accountable once a month to weigh in, which for me, accountability is huge. Like knowing I have to go weigh in front of somebody makes a huge difference for me. Um, so all those factors are what kind of pushed me towards Weight Watchers. Um, you know, and like I said, I had done it before in the past, but it was like with the attitude of, you know, well, I can't have those things, even though they said I could, I still in my mind was like, I wasn't allowed to. And if I couldn't do it perfect, I didn't want to do it, you know? And so when I felt like I was slipping up as opposed to finding a way to make it work for myself, I just kind of walked away. But this time it was totally different because I was allowing myself to have treats and things of that nature. Yeah, one of the things that I, I've heard you say repeatedly within your podcast is that that you gravitated toward Weight Watchers because of the maintenance and because you knew in your mind that, that you could lose weight. But I think about how with people who might be listening to this and myself included, that when you have a great deal of weight to lose 100, 150 or more pounds, that it's like maintenance is like a far, far away thought because you're just trying to wrap your brain around how you're going to lose this all of this weight. So I'm wondering if it's possible if you can share how it is that within your mindset, that you obviously you had a past experience, right? So you had evidence in your mind that you were capable of losing the weight. But I'm wondering if you could go in and dig a bit deeper and and tell everyone how it is that you were able to get your mind in a place where you're like, yeah, I know, I know how to lose this weight. I know it's going to come off. Uh, because I know even for me, there was a time and, I, and I've talked to other people who've had this like irrational fear that 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 possibly the weight won't come off, that maybe that either you're going to be stuck at this weight or you're going to gain, but there's no possible way that you can lose. So talk, so talk to me about how it is that you you had that confidence that you were able to lose the weight. Yeah, I, I actually can sympathize with that because I remember when I was in high school and I had never attempted, you know, never really gone gung-ho about losing weight. And I, like I said, I was 225. And I remember being so shocked when I actually saw the scale going down, like what my efforts, my efforts were actually reflecting on the scale. And that was like the first time I started feeling like, okay, you know what, I, I'm going in the right direction with this. But it, but before I even started, I thought to myself, what if I do all this and like nothing happens? You know, like I, cause at that point I had not proven to myself I was capable of doing it. So for people out there who have never attempted dieting, who have always been heavy um, and never can remember a time of being thin, then yes, in, in that situation, I can see just getting the juice going, just getting the vehicle moving, it might be a difficult task because in your head, you've never known another life like that or you've never attempted it and felt a success with it. So I can see what you're, you're talking about when you ask me that question. When And I will never forget this moment. When I realized I weighed 313 pounds, which for me was the heaviest I had ever been after I had max, and I, I had to go and purchase a scale because a scale I had did not read over 300 pounds. I just looked at my husband and I said, and and this is honesty, I said, I don't know how I'm going to do 170 pounds. Like the idea of losing 80, I felt was something, even under 100, I felt like I could do, but something about that crossover to 100, and then when you throw on the extra 70, like I just remember thinking to myself, I, I equated to a Mount Everest. It was like, 
darn, I don't know if, you know, like, I actually looked at my husband and said, I don't know if I can do all of that. And so he said, well, you know, he would always say to me, well, it's, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And I remember, okay, and I kept saying that in my head, okay, one bite at a time. Now, for me, I had a bonus. I had three pregnancies. And the reason I say that was a bonus, and some people probably think it would be crazy to say that now. And at the time, I probably would have slapped myself for saying it now. But it was a forced hiatus. Like, I lost weight, I was forced to take a break. I lost weight, I was forced to take a break. And so it broke up my weight loss for me. Like, you know, maybe I lost 40 here, I lost 30 there, I lost another, you know. And so it was like, it broke it up to for me where it wasn't like I was just charging through 170 pounds from point one to point two. Um, cause like after I had Parker, I was 255 or something like that. And so when I joined Weight Watchers, I still had over a hundred pounds to go, but I had lost that other 70 in chunks between the pregnancies. And I managed to maintain my weight pretty well during the pregnancies where I didn't gain it all back, you know? Um, but for me, that 170 pounds was really a huge endeavor, like to mentally wrap my brain around it. Because when I thought about what I went through to get the 80 off, and then I thought about the fact I had 170, I just remember looking at him and crying and saying, I don't know if I can do this. You know, like I knew I could do 80. I didn't know if I could do 170. And what I basically realized, because I had the four breaks in between, when I focused on them in chunks, and I've also heard this now from other people that I've interviewed with, you know, 150 plus pounds to lose, you focus on it in chunks. If you focus on the huge number of 170 or 185 or whatever your number is, it's going to it's going to be like a noose around your neck. You're never going to feel like you're getting that sucker to budge. But when you break it up into doable chunks, like a 20-pound increment or a 30-pound increment, all of a sudden you start feeling, okay, I can do 20 pounds. You know, I can do 30 pounds. I can do 40 pounds. But when, yeah, when you're looking at that monster of a number, I don't care how much weight you've lost in the past, when you're looking at over 150 pounds or 200, or I just interviewed a girl who lost 300 pounds, when you're looking at those kind of numbers, you can't look at the whole number. It's just too overwhelming, and I felt overwhelmed. So, so I can't imagine how somebody that never even came close to being at their goal weight or never even attempted dieting would feel. So in that case, they need support more than anybody. They need some people there who are saying, you are capable of doing this, you know, and just kind of being a support and a commodity for them because – you know, that's a huge number, but they really need to trunk it down and make it doable chunks or it will become too overwhelming, I think. Okay, so I want to ask you more about Weight Watchers and how it is that your eating habits evolved while being on Weight Watchers. I, I read your um, your weekly menus, and you seem to have a very balanced diet. You're, st- you're staying within the, the, you know, the boundaries and the rules of Weight Watchers, but still um, just very balanced. And I'm wondering how it is that you were able to get to that balance. Actually, it took a lot of mistakes. Um, the times that I had joined Weight Watchers, you know, pri- prior to the time, I, the, the one time I was successful at it, um, I kind of went in with the. Me- There's two different mentalities I think going in, and I've actually interviewed now several people that have also said this, where you either have to go in with the attitude that you're going to start eating healthy and following the points program, or you're trying to still get your old eating habits to fit into the points program, meaning that if you 
are not going to give up things like your fast food or your potato chips or your sweets to a certain degree, it is going to be a lot more difficult for you because there is only so many points that are allotted and those kinds of foods, of course, are way higher in points. And so you can have them. You just can't have them probably with the frequency that you're having them now. Um, If you're wanting to start eating healthier, eating better in general, like you're wanting to make some wholesale changes to your life and you know you have a sugar issue, issue or you know um, that certain foods are triggers for you, those foods you may want to omit anyway and still follow the points program because you need some guidelines as far as to how much food you're going to be taking in day to day. For me, it was a process. Like when I did Weight Watchers, the several times I was not successful, I would go in and I would buy all the snack bars and the 100 calorie packs and all those kinds of, I call them convenience foods. And what I really realized about me, and maybe this isn't true for everybody, but for me it is, they are triggers. Like if I open one 100-calorie pack, I will want a second, and I will want a third, and I will continue to eat through those. So for me, it's much better for me not to even purchase those. So I don't buy them anymore. Um, Or if I do, it's very sporadic. It's not something I get with any frequency. But it was one of the things that I used to have to have them all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like the mentality, okay, well, I'm doing Weight Watchers now, so let me go get as many of these low-calorie, low-point, you know, snacky things. And what I really realized was is they were just causing me to want to eat more. So I just now avoid them. I actually have changed my eating habits a lot more even since going on maintenance because I've become more in tune with my body. Like I realize like sugar and flour together for me, it's a little bit too much. Like it has a really bad effect on me and my performance at the gym and everything else. And so there's certain foods I'm trying to avoid altogether because I find that they're, they, they have a, seem to have a, a they make me like more tired um, or they draw my energy level down and I've noticed that. So I'm becoming more like I'll, you know, hard-boiled eggs and lots of fruits and stuff like that. Um, and I'm trying to avoid those more sugary, starchy things just because I don't like the way I feel when I eat them. But it's a better overall health move for me regardless. And the reason that I think Weight Watchers has an awesome program is because you can eat whatever you want. If you want to go healthy and you want to focus on, you know, clean eating and or, lean, you know, I actually just interviewed a girl who does paleo and um, Weight Watchers together, and she spends like 90% of her points on protein. So you can really make it work with whatever it is you want to eat, and if you're still addicted to going through the drive through um, it may help you kind of start curving back on your bad choices, and you're getting a large fry, you get a small fry, and you would start hopefully like kind of doing a slow pullback on what you're eating. But it was a slow process for me. I didn't, where, what I eat now on a day-to-day basis is probably not what I would have eaten when I first started. It just took a lot of me learning things I liked, things I didn't like, and kind of getting the feel for what does better for me on the scale, um, you know, and what helps me with my performance at the gym. But it's taken me a long time to get to that place. It's not something I think when you first walk into Weight Watchers and you have 150 pounds to lose, you know, you're just trying to, I think, learn what portions to eat and, you know, to kind of live within a certain guideline. And then as you progress, you're going to learn more and more about you and what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And you can start changing things up, leaving certain foods out that aren't maybe really good for you. 
or things that you find make you want to eat a lot more. And that happens, you know. So it's, it's a very slow process. It's not going to happen overnight. And it just depends on your mentality going into it, in, in my opinion, as far as how you, what benefit it's going to be to you. I know that a lot of people ask you how it is that you fit in your workouts and you explain that in several of your podcasts. But the thing that I I wondered is that as a mom and and anybody else as well, um, but more so I think as a mom, that that maybe there are are days that, you know, just totally unpredictable things happen and you just don't get a chance to get your workout, your workout in. And I know like, for example, with me, sometimes I, I need to be really careful because if I miss a workout, on one day that could lead to two days and three days and then before I know it a few weeks later I haven't worked out at all and I'm wondering what how it is that you maintained that resolve to work out and whether or not um that being in the gym played a role in that resolve and that if you for example had no choice but to work out at home that that wouldn't have worked for you because your resolve wouldn't have been as strong as it as it was working out at the gym well, when I first really started going to the <clears throat> to the gym, I was still doing a lot of walking. Um, so I would, well, I didn't go to the gym every day, especially at the beginning. I didn't go to the gym every day. Um, I would do a lot of walking. And so I hate to say it, but I almost was kind of militant about my workout time because, again, I had three young kids, and I, and I know I'm speaking for all moms out there everywhere, when you got, you know, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and an infant, you know, um, pretty much anything you can find that you have to every once in a while just go and take an hour-long break to go take care of, whether it be dry cleaning, grocery shopping, you know, working out, you're going to make it your priority to get those things done. And, you know, it may be calling some reserves like, hey, hubby, you know, I've got to go make this, you know, go run these errands, whatever, because sometimes you just need a, an hour to check out. You know, mentally, you need that hour. And so my workout time wasn't just about working out. It was also about me getting a break from my kids. I, you know, I love my kids more than anything, but every mom needs about an hour or so, just some time to herself where she gets a chance to think where it's not screaming, crying, changing diapers, you know, all that you know, kind of stuff. Now, there were times along my journey where, you know, like we just got hit with a stomach bug this week, um, but, you know, and when you have three young children, it doesn't ever just all happen at the exact same moment that everyone's sick and it's done within 24, 48 hours. I usually have a stagger effect where it'll last an entire week. So for me, there would be weeks where it was just total chaos. But here's, this is the one thing I held so tight to besides me going to my Weight Watchers meetings once a week was my workout time was my only time for me. It was the only time I said I exist as an individual, as a person, and I'm going to make that a priority. So, like, if I knew my kids were sick, you know, or whatever, and I knew it was going to be a really rough week, I would get up an hour before they did, and I would go do my workout then. Like, I, my workout was a priority for me. That was my really only thing that I held on really tight to, and I said, you know, I tell my husband, the kids are sick this week. I'm going to go get my workout in now, or I'm going to wait till you get home because they are so sick and I can't take them to the gym daycare and you're going to have to watch them for an hour. And I was very assertive about that. And it took me really, I think, saying that this was going to happen and this was how it was going to happen. And my husband at first, 
would be like, oh, are you, do you really have to go to the gym? And that was only, that only lasted about six months. And then after he saw how serious I was about it and how dedicated I was, he would just be like, okay, just go to the gym. You know, like he knew that was going to happen. And it was one of the things that the workout had to be top tier because, you know, for me, it was also not just about me losing the weight, but it was also because it was just a mental time for me just to kind of unwind from the day. And it was almost like therapy. And, you know, just to kind of have that time to myself to clear my thoughts. If, when I, now I will say, before I had children, um, my typical day at you know, would have been like, oh, full day at work, and then come home and crash on the couch and watch TV. And I would kick myself. I'd be sitting there at the gym, and I'd be sitting there thinking to myself, all those years I wasted where I had so much extra time on my hands, you know? And mm-hmm. you know, I, I went to a job. I, you know, and when I had kids, it was a wake-up call. I was like, wow, I thought I was busy before. No. When you have kids, it's a 24-7, no ending your responsibility and you know and I thought back to those days when I was teaching and how I used to get out at 3.30 and I used to be able to come home and I could go to the store when I wanted to and I didn't have to worry about taking anybody with me and it's like all of a sudden it's like wow I'm really having to like move chess pieces around on the board to find this one hour when I'm going to get my workout in but I was determined to do it and that's what you know, that's, that for me was one of the things I had to have. And I told my husband, I'm like, I've got to have this and we're going to make it work. Now I did buy a recumbent bike, um, which I still use. Actually, I used it today because like I said, we you know, just had a stomach bug and everything else. Um, I use it. I watch my biggest loser and I bike and I get my workout in, you know, once or twice a week on that. Um, I, now that I bought the Les Mills pump at home kit, I do that once a week at home. I probably hit the gym on average three times a week. Um, but I, you know, implement with, you know, and I do run on the treadmill there and stuff like that, but I'm not at the gym 24 seven, you know, or seven days a week. I mean, I mix it up and I do usually three times there. I do a couple times at home. I don't know if I could strictly live off of just DVD workouts for me. I don't think I would. Some people out there might be able to, but I think just seeing the exact same program over and over again without having some like new personality kind of, you know, mixed in with it would get a little bit boring. Um, but if that works for you and it's something you think you could sustain for a long period of time, then, you know, that might be a good way to go. But yeah, being a mom, um, unfortunately, there's just not a lot of time. And so you really have to kind of hold on to it with like white knuckle grip because otherwise <laughs> otherwise everyone's going to take that hour away from you <laughs> at least that's how I always felt so you had mentioned that when you started working out you did you know a quote-unquote lot of walking I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how you started out like what that walking like what you know a lot of walking w- was like how much time you spent walking and then how that progressed and also um also talk about how strength training also kind of found its way into the mix as well yeah I um uh, well the walking I um started walking once I had max and I made the decision I was going to lose weight I started walking I uh didn't you know at that point I had not even joined the gym yet so I was walking, I had a regular stroller, no big deal, was walking probably 30 to 45 minutes, if I had to guess, five times a week, something in that ballpark. I met up with moms, actually I even joined a mom walking group where it was all about moms staying healthy and active, and of course, again, I was the biggest one there. But I showed up, I walked, 
And five months later, I got pregnant with Connor. Well, to keep my weight in check during my pregnancy, I walked. Um, with my first one, I didn't really do any physical activity. With my subsequent two, I did because I didn't want my weight to shoot up during the pregnancy, so I walked. After I had, you know, Connor, I went ahead and then, again, continued to walk. But at that point, I did join the gym after I had had him. And when I joined the gym, um, I went ahead and I, uh, at 280 pounds, decided, okay, you know, I'm going to do these group fitness classes. Well, I had never done group fitness classes. So I started out with things that sounded somewhat familiar, like step aerobics, because, of course, everybody knows from, like, the 1990s, all Mm -hmm. the big step classes and all that stuff. Well, anyway... That was the, for me, that was the biggest mistake I could have made at 280 pounds. I went home and I cried. I was in Mm. pain. And I'm not talking like, I'm not talking like a little bit of muscle soreness. I'm talking like my, my back was in pain. And um, I had some back issues due to my weight. Like if I laid flat on the back, my back would spasm and like pop out. I couldn't get back up without help. And this is like when I'm in my early 30s. So that's another reason I knew I had a weight you know, issue because I couldn't get up off the ground. Um, but what I, I, so I went to this class, I was in this much pain. My husband's like, well, you know, is there any other classes you can take? And so I said, okay, let me go check that out. So I, I checked out a couple other ones, the same kind of thing, not as severe as the step. But same thing, really bad back pain because of my weight. You know, I mean, I have a lot of weight I'm carrying, especially in, like, through my stomach area, and it's putting a lot of pressure on my lower back. So then I come across this girl who says to me, you know, um, you know, do you like group fitness? And I said, well, I said, honestly, you know, I'm getting a lot of pain from my, you know, my back, and um, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And she goes, well, have you tried body pump? And I said, well, no. I said, what is it? And she said, it's, you know, it's a 55-minute weightlifting class, but it's low impact. And I said, okay, I'll give this a chance, you know. So I go in and, um, you know, Sure enough, you pretty much stand in a small square space, like three by three square, the entire class. You're not bouncing around. There's no fancy footwork. It's not like you have to be. I'm not, and I'm not super coordinated. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm. I love these girls because they go to these, um, sh- you know, shabams and these. Uh, what's that other one called? Uh, the dance class, Zumba. And you go to all these, and they're like, they they dance the night away in those classes. I would be all over the floor. I am not, I am not a coordinated individual. Let me just tell you now. Anyway, so that being said, I was like, okay, I'm not doing those. Even though they look like fun, I don't think I would sustain that. So I go to lift weights, and it's something I, I'm, I mentioned I'm competitive. It's something I can see progress with. Like, I could put no weight on my bar to start with. And then a week later, I could put these cute little two-and-a-half-pound donuts on. And then and the next week, I could put two five-pound plates on and so on and so forth. And so I went from, like, no weight on my bar to, like, now I think I squat 60 pounds and, you know, like, I'm bench pressing 35. And, you know, I'm, like, doing, like, things I never would have been able to do before when I started. But it was a slow progression of adding little weights on over time. And I cannot stress enough, like, if I can make a connection with one woman out there where I say, lift weights. I was not the size I am now. I was not defined like I am now when I lost my weight in high school. I was very soft. I was very, um, you know, I, I was thinner, but I still had, you know, I didn't have the definition. I didn't have the shape I have now. I was probably size 10. 
now I'm like a size six, and I am in a really good shape compared to what I was in before. And it's not because I weigh a different amount. It's because what my weight is consisting of, which is more muscle mass. And I tell women I didn't wait till I was 150 pounds to start lifting weights. I was doing it at 280 pounds. And even though I couldn't see those results for a long time, as I kept taking the class, as I kept adding the weight, I was increasing my muscle mass underneath all the fat that I had to lose. And so as that fat melted away, all of a sudden, okay, wait a minute, there's muscles under here, you know. And not only that, but it made a huge difference. Like I, my inches, like my measurement started dwindling down. And the only way that it doesn't work or it's not very successful, because I see this happen a lot at the gym, is when people stay at the same weight that they're lifting consistently week after week. So, like, if you only have two-and-a-half-pound plates on there now, in a few weeks you should be adding two more two-and-a-half-pound plates. Like, don't keep it the same because you're not going to get the results you want. You need to add the weight as you go. And it doesn't have to be a lot of weight. It can just be those cute little donuts that you put on the end. But over time, it's going to add up. And then before you know it, you'll have this muscle mass. Your body will have, like, tightened up and shrunken up. And, it oh, it makes such a difference as far as the calories that your body burns when it's not even working out. So there's so many benefits that women get from it that you don't get from cardio. And I stress this a lot because women are shortchanging themselves when they don't at least do some weightlifting of some type. So that for me was huge. And it was a class I felt successful at. Like the idea that I could go week to week, I could chat. And nobody knew what I was lifting. You know, nobody really, I think, pays attention. Um, and then they did towards the end when they saw how much I was squatting and stuff compared to what other people were squatting. But it's one of the things that it was for me. Like knowing I was pushing myself Seeing that I could do more and that I was getting stronger made a huge difference for me because at least for me it was something that I could pay attention to as a measurable result and I like those. So I felt really good about taking body pumps. So that was, I was sold. I mean, once I started seeing the inches coming off and once I felt like I, was, I could be competitive with myself and there was something there to focus on, I was totally sold on the class and I can't say enough good stuff about it. So I'm kind of curious about how it is that you kind of synced up your workouts and your food. Because I think that oftentimes people will put the focus on changing their diet and not be as concerned about workouts. Or I know like as an example, I, I remember um, doing an interview with a woman who talked about how she decided to choose to focus on her workouts um, at the beginning and uh, not so much on food, but then eventually, eventually did change the focus um, to balance the two out. Uh, when How were you able to balance them out so that you could focus on both equally and, and do well with both? Well, I think I started, I'm more of the workout person. I would much rather, if given my druthers, I would much rather eat what I want to eat and work out like crazy at the gym. Like, I actually enjoy working out. I know some people don't. But, uh, so for me, it started more with physical activity. Um, before I joined Weight Watchers after having my last son, um, I did watch what I ate, hence why I did lose the weight. But I got to that same place that I always get to where if I'm not, you know, if I'm if I don't have a really good structure with my eating plan, and I'm just kind of left to my own devices, I feel like um, I have a harder time knowing when to stop. Now I'm at a much better place, but it, when during my weight loss journey, I definitely have a like a kind of like a 
you know, I hit that 50, 60 pound window and then I felt like, okay, you know, I, I need to tweak my eating a lot more. With the exercise, that was kind of like a given. I, the idea of moving and being physically active, I was easier to roll into that, I think, than I was the changing my eating habits. But once I had my last son, um, joining Weight Watchers, kind of was like the, I guess, the solution to that in the sense that they gave me really strict parameters, or, you know, to me strict, meaning like this is my parameters. Um, way before I officially joined and I was doing it on my own, yeah, I had lost like 60, 70 pounds, but I had done it between three pregnancies and, um, you know, I had followed their points program on my own. But then I got to that place where, you know, the same kind of hang-up place I always get to where, okay, now I need something different to finish this out. And so that's why I joined Weight Watchers. But I, I do agree with you. I think most people pick one or the other. Um, they usually will either try to totally change their eating habits, but they won't really focus on the exercise. And I've also met people who are just the opposite. They would rather focus on the exercise and not change their eating habits at all. Um, and really, you can't get far with either of those. You have to, It has to be a really great balance between the two. Um, and I feel like I'm at that place now where I'm really seeing the results of physical activity and how it affects me on the scale and what I eat and how it affects me on the scale and trying to get those two to harmoniously work together, <laughs> which, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes, like I say, it's a total learning process 24 seven, even after you lost the weight. Like, I think a lot of times we think, oh, I'm going to get to my goal weight. And then it's like, you know, in a way, I think we all think it's just done. And in a way, it's just beginning. Like then, okay, now that you got all that weight off, let's figure out what this new body that you have is capable of, kind of like test driving it, and how can you make everything you've learned work together to maintain what you've done. And so, um, you know, for me, I think it would be more the physical activity initially. I, of course, I did change my eating habits, but my eating habits really did change the most when I went ahead and joined Weight Watchers and just went week after week. And I learned a lot of really great stuff, you know, new recipes. I love e-tools. Um, I am not, and I've openly admitted this, I do not like to write. I'm not a huge writer, which is kind of ironic because I have a blog. But I, uh, I just figure, you know, I'm getting my message out there one way or another, but I don't. Uh, because I don't like to write the old way they used to have everything where you had to write down your food and everything. All mine would be was a list of numbers. It would be like breakfast. I had two for coffee and three for this. I wouldn't even write down the food. It was like so sad. Like I would just have numbers. <laughs> but now because I have e-tools, um, I used to be a math teacher, so anyway, who knows, maybe that has something to do with it. But anyway, now that I have e-tools, I already ha- it's like also all pre-programmed with all the foods I like. So I like will put the first two digits in, and boom, there it is. <laughs> so I don't right. even have to I don't even have to finish typing, and there it goes. And so it just you know immediately puts everything in for me, and I don't have to like stress about it. It's like in the morning I pre-plan out my breakfast, my lunch, and my dinner because I know what I have on hand. And again, I have three young children, so I'm not making any impromptu. Hey, kids let's go out for a lunch date, you know. Um, and because of that, you know, I pretty much know my three core meals for the day. And then all I have to add in at that point is anything I eat in between my meals. And so for me, the e-tools has been a godsend because I wouldn't, I wouldn't probably track on paper like I'm supposed to. It just wouldn't happen. 
So I want to ask you next about setting goals. Um, you know, throughout this interview, you've mentioned things about progress, and you seem to be kind of accepting about progress, the progress in terms of uh, um, getting stronger with strength training, uh, progress with your your food intake and, and food choices evolving. Did you ever have moments where you felt impatient? Like when I listen to your podcast, a few of the questions that you get are, you know, I see people who are losing weight faster than I am. Why can't I lose it? I should have lost it by now, that kind of thing. So how were you able to not let impatience get the best of you? And I'm wondering if the way that you approached goal setting had something to do with you not letting impatience get the best of you. Yeah, it was a wholesale change, um, and I'll be honest with you, there were weeks it was grueling um, because, again, you know, I like to see results. I'm a results-based person, which, you know, can be hard. When you're losing weight, your body does not always 100% cooperate with you on all your efforts. It just does not happen. Um, I had to make some changes. I um, One of the things that is available on my website is my weight loss tracker, and I uh, had shared it in several of my Weight Watchers meetings, and it was something that was crucial for me to get the last 65 pounds off because, as crazy as it sounds, I had already lost over 100. But looking down the barrel at that last 65, I'm like, man, I still have 65 more to go, like getting mentally psyched up to deal with it. So I, what I said to myself is, okay, let's focus on one pound per week. Like I said, a realistic, achievable goal. Because I knew if I said two or two and a half or three, I was going to be let down at some point. Because the closer and closer I got to my goal weight, the less the pounds come off or not as quickly. I mean, that's been my experience anyway. So I set a realistic goal. I said, okay, one pound per week is your goal. And I benchmarked it out. And I said, every six weeks, this is where you're supposed to be. And I only focused on my forward progression because if I looked at the weeks I gained or if I looked at the weeks I stayed the same, I get discouraged. And I know that about myself. So I would only focus on the weeks I actually had losses. And as long as I was hitting those six-week benchmarks I set for myself, I, I was good. And my husband, there has been, I can't tell you how many times where I'd be like, I gained on the scale. He'd go, look at your tracker. Are you where you're supposed to be? And I'd be like, yeah, he goes, then, then don't worry about it. And I needed mm-hmm. that. I needed that reassurance of, okay, in, on this six-week check-in, this is where I was supposed to be. I, I'm there or I surpassed it. I was never behind. I was never not where I was supposed to be. I was either there or ahead. But it was because you want to be at your goal weight. You, anybody, you would be lying if you said, I don't want to be at my goal weight right this very second. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to be, you know. And it's just a battle. It's a battle to get there. But it's staying focused on those small, achievable goals. If you set unrealistic goals for yourself, if you say, I'm going to lose five pounds every single week until I get to my goal, and I had, I had set those totally unrealistic goals. I ripped out my calendar, I'm going to lose five pounds on this week and five pounds on this week, and, you know, and I would have it all laid out as if it was guaranteed in stone, and I was let down multiple times because even though I was maybe rolling really good for a few weeks, there was going to be weeks where your body just doesn't cooperate and it doesn't lose the amount of weight you set out for yourself. So your goals have to be realistic. Otherwise, you're going to get discouraged along the way. And that's going to be probably nine times out of ten why most people end up walking away from it because they feel like, well, I'm not getting where I need to be. Whereas if you set realistic, achievable goals and then you actually find you're hitting them, then it's like, oh, wait a minute, I'm doing this, you know? And 
it's getting past that mental hurdle of saying, you know, there's going to be weeks I don't lose weight, and that's going to be okay because it's the average that matters. If I'm trying to, I only average like 1.3 pounds per week with Weight Watchers. My e-tools kept track of it all for me. In the time I was there, that's all I lost per week, and which was 0.3 more than what I actually had even set out for myself. But if I had, you know, if I had pre-planned it out, I probably have been like, oh, I'm going to lose 2.5 pounds every single week and da 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 And I would have had it all, you know, streamlined in such a way that it would have been totally impossible. And then four, five, six, eight weeks into it, I'd be like, well, I didn't hit any of these goals I set for myself, so why am I even doing this, you know, past the Haagen-Dazs? You know, that would, have been, that would have been it, you know? And I've done it. That's how come I know. I've done it several times now. And so I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not setting these unrealistic goals. I have three young kids. I mean, getting to work out for an hour a day is, is a triumphant miracle. If I can lose one pound per week, I'm doing good. You know, in a year, that's 52 pounds, you know. So for me, it was setting something that I could actually do, feeling like I was achieving it, seeing that I was achieving it, and feeling successful. Because in my past, I never was successful because I made my benchmarks so unreal. It would be like if I walked into body pump for the first time and said, squat 60 pounds. I probably couldn't have gotten 60 pounds over my head, let alone squatted 60 pounds. But that would have been the same mentality that I approached my weight loss with. You know, lose five pounds per week for the next 12 weeks. You know, I mean, who's going to do that? And But yet, that's how I thought. And so I had to correct my thinking. I had to say, it's okay if you only lose one pound per week. At least that will be one pound that's gone and not coming back. But it's just getting to that place where you can set realistic goals for yourself. And that's why I say it's so important, whatever plan you decide to go with, make sure it's something that is sustainable. Because if it's something that you wake up every morning thinking, God, I can't do this again for another week, you know, my scale's not budging, this is killing me, then you may want to look at making some tweaks to what you're eating or what you're doing because if it's not something you can sustain on, then how are you going to maintain and how are you going to hit your long-term goals? And that's always my concern for people is I want to make sure that they're able to get where they want to go. Okay. So my second last question is about rest and self-care. You had mentioned that you know you get a break from, from your family by working out but then you're also kind of like, you know, challenging your body when you're working out. So it's not exactly, you know, a a total break. So what are your thoughts on, um, you know, the importance of of rest and self-care and how that priority has evolved for you um, as you went through your weight loss experience and, and now where you are right now, you know, now considering where you are with it? Well, I had this wonderful rest period right after I had my hernia operation. I got to lay in the hospital bed and I had people waiting on me. It was fantastic. Um, For me, I agree with you. Rest is important. But as moms, we don't usually get a lot of it. I honestly, I really enjoyed my post-hernia rest time that I had. That's probably the most downtime I've had since having children other than having the children. <laughs> I, you know, I, I get sleep at night and I do make that a priority. I will say that 
Um, I definitely make sure that I am in bed by like 10 o'clock at night. I am, and I'm one of those people too, that when my head hits the pillow, I'm out like a light, but then again, I'm up at five o'clock in the morning. So for me, I have to have that and I'm not really very good if I don't get enough sleep. Um, I will say that I do use my children's rest time for my advantage, like during their nap time or their downtime. I use that sometimes to get my workouts in or just to get a few things done for me. But I typically, no, I don't really get that much like, you know, other than sleep for myself, I don't get that much. And I will say as far as self-care goes, us moms have to be really careful about that because I was so heavy for so long and having had three C-sections, um, you know, which of course are major operations, with my third C-section, I um, pushed myself too hard, too fast, and so I always warn moms, you know, please be careful after having C-sections. My son was in NICU um, right after I had him, and I couldn't bring him home, and I was devastated. So I pushed myself to go see him after having my C-section, and I walked up, and I used the little, you know, wheelchair and all that. And um, apparently at some point in there, I either then or shortly thereafter ended up giving myself double hernias because, you know, the incision opened back up. I was too heavy Mm -hmm. to know it at the time that I even had them. But as I started losing weight, I noticed I had bulges in my stomach and I went and saw the doctor and I was misdiagnosed and they didn't, they weren't really sure what it was. And so then finally I got some help, but I worked out for a year with them and didn't even, I mean, probably even longer than that. Um, But since somebody actually had seen me. So I always do warn moms, especially C-section moms, you know, take that time, that rest period after you have your babies to get the proper recovery because I did not realize I had done that to myself, but when we push ourselves too hard too fast, those things do happen. Um, And I wasn't trying to, of course, make light about the idea of rest, but when you do have three kids, you don't really tend to get too much time to yourself. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's very important. Sleep for me is huge. I don't... I don't do well with going to bed too late because I know I have to get up early. Um, so for me, you know, 10 o'clock lights out, so to speak. And you must feel really awesome, not just about your accomplishment, but the connections that you're making with people, feeling great health-wise. Um, any final thoughts about just how you're feeling about life these days? Oh, it's awesome. I mean, the things I'm able to do now, the, the, you know, it's like, I, first off, it, it goes back to the, like what I mentioned about being a hypocrite. Like, Looking at my kids now, and, and, and it's the small things, you know, them asking me at the dinner table, Mom, is it okay? It, it, I, and that's the other thing. This is a personal pet peeve. I used to be a pre-K teacher, and there would be four-year-olds that would look at people and go, you're fat. And I, that would just make my skin crawl. Like, I just couldn't deal with it. And some people would be like, well, that's kids being honest. And I'm like, well, no, there's other words you could use. And so from day one, I've always taught my kids it's healthy versus not healthy. It's not fat. You know, like they'll see somebody who's bigger. Like, you know, we have family members and there's other people they see and they see how big they are. And, and they'll say, Mommy, they're not healthy. And, I, and because I want them to understand the weight is there because there's, you're not making healthy choices. So that was a, so when my kids look at me and they'll say to me, "Mommy, is this something I can eat all the time, or is this just sometimes I can have this?" And it's usually really mm-hmm. like the pizza or cookies or you know things like that. And I'll tell them, I'll be like, "No, this is something that's okay as a special treat, but it's not something that you should have all the time." The fact that I can look at them and be honest and say that and know that I'm not doing it 
is like a huge weight off my shoulders. Like the fact that I'm not lying to them and saying, oh, no, honey, you know, you really shouldn't have that as I'm scarfing down another piece of pizza myself. Like that would have just made me die inside. Like I just could not, you know, that that hypocrisy for me to do that to them. I just don't think I could have looked at myself in the mirror. You know, that would have just you know, been too hard for me. Um, so that's like one huge victory to me. Like that's, and I know that's going to sound silly because you would think, you know, it would be about the clothes or stuff. Is looking at your kids and me and saying, you know, no, this isn't good eating habits, but let me demonstrate what good eating habits are. So they, uh, they constantly ask me that. And then, and then they love to ask me about exercise too, about, you know, how to stay healthy. And my, you know, one son's like all into, you know, wanting to know about how to keep his body healthy and it makes me feel so good because, again, I was an obese kid. I don't want my kids to be obese. I don't want them to ever know what it's like to be heavy. Um, not because I don't want them to be sympathetic to somebody who is, but because, kids shouldn't have to be. And, and I think that that's one of the things that I feel really passionate about is the idea of kids being healthy and kids being active and seeing my kids healthy and active and knowing them a good role model. That's huge. Um, I got asked to um, take care of their pre-K PE class. We have a homeschool PE group, and my kids were all too young to be involved. And so I shot the lady an email and said, do you offer a pre-K um, homeschool PE. And she said, well, no, you know, we don't. She says, but would you want to be the coach? And she'd never seen me. And I thought actually had a few pounds to lose at the time. I want to say it was like at the beginning of the school years, like September. I want to say I probably still had like 20 or so pounds left to lose. And it was the most fantastic feeling to be able to respond back and say, sure, I'll do that. And not be sitting there. Because if it had been the 280-pound me or the 300-pound me, I would have just been like, oh, my God, what do I, how do I respond to it? Because there was no way I was going to get up in front of, you know, all these four- and three-year-olds and tell them do jumping jacks, do run, you know, go run a lap and be the one sitting there not moving. And so the mm-hmm. fact that she asked me, and, I, and she never, of course, see me physically, so she didn't know what I looked like, and the fact that I knew I was in good enough shape to be able to stand in front of a group of pre-K kids and say, this is what we're going to do, was just like, that was the biggest gift I had gotten. Like, you know, the idea that I could be involved in their life, do something physically active, whereas if you had cut to two, three years ago, I would have just been like, oh, I never got that email, or, you know, I would have been like, you know, okay, yeah, no, I, I'm probably not who you're looking for. I would have been too embarrassed because then how would I have even responded to the email? You know, it would have been like I, I even thought about all that, and it was like the biggest victory for me, the idea that I could just say, sure, I'll coach their class, and I'm, not, I'm totally cool with that. And I'm out there running wind sprints with them and doing all this stuff, and it's like without – and that, that's the best part of it is just the feeling like you're not trapped in this fat suit where you're like, okay, my life is dictated by the fact that I have this extra 170 pounds on my body, as opposed to I want to do these things, and I'm going to do these things. And that was, for me, probably the biggest victories I've had since losing the weight, is just the feelings I get from being able to do those things that I think I would have been, and, and honestly, that was with my kids, I knew I was going to be homeschooling them, and I didn't want to constantly be saying no because of my weight. I didn't want to be, oh, you guys can come over for a swim play date. Well, yeah, I don't have a bathing suit because, you know, I, I don't want to be in a bathing suit, you know. I didn't want those to always be the reasons we didn't do things was just because of my weight, and I know that that would have been the case for me. I would have said no to a lot of things, and now I can say yes, and that's huge. Um, you know, so for me, 
life-changing. I mean, you know, it's not just affecting me, it's affecting my kids. And that's just, you know, the best gift that I could have asked for. Thank you so much to Heather for taking the time to answer my questions and give some really good advice. As I mentioned during the interview, Heather has her own podcast. She interviews people who have lost a great deal of weight, gives cooking advice, and also answers listener questions. You can find her podcast and discover more about Heather at her website, halfsizeme.com. And as always, I'll have the link to Heather's website at my website, eatsleepmove.com. As busy as you are, I hope after listening to this podcast that you get the chance to get in a really good workout. Thanks for listening to the Eat, Sleep, Move podcast. Find out more by visiting eatsleepmove.com.